Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Rhea. Welcome to Karma's My Bitch, a podcast about love, sex, connection, abundance, joy, purpose, peace, and how life isn't simply the stories we tell ourselves. I would not have thought until we really started having those conversations around the ego, but now it's really coming into play when it comes to what we're teaching about karma. Well, I mean, let's just go back one more step and just let's explain the ego again, because I know a lot of people drop in and out of these episodes. So if we all at our very core, when we're dealing with our karma, the core fear is that I am not good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. So the ego is created or the way we term our ego, the way we term ego, what we call ego is created to protect us from finding out that that is true. Mm. Effectively. Mm -hmm. Right. The ego wants other people to validate us so that we know we are good enough. Anything that comes in where we are not sourcing that knowing that we are good enough from inside, the ego is playing a part in it, which means that if we're operating from our ego, Mm -hmm. it's very much about curating what other people see so that they don't see the truth. And we are scared that that truth is that we are not good enough. Exactly. Now, what we teach is that actually, when you start working through your karma and your fear, Mm -hmm. once that's done, there are parts of the ego that remain. And that is the final piece in moving from 3D to 5D. To really be fully in 5D, to be in complete higher consciousness, the ego cannot exist. Okay. I think yeah. that's pretty unattainable for most, like in November 2021. <laughs> we just need to be able to tackle the ego. We just need to understand its role in our lives. Yeah, exactly. Right? We don't, I mean, it would take a lot to, I don't know, completely rid our lives of our ego, maybe mm. for some. But it's not to say we can't diminish it enough. It's not to say we can't deconstruct it enough mm. so that it stops wreaking havoc on our lives and keeps us out of happiness because that's what the ego effectively does is that it does not enable happiness. It's too preoccupied with making sure our fears don't become realized. It tricks us into thinking our fears not being realized is happiness when in fact that's not what happiness is at all. Happiness is knowing that we can be wholly and utterly ourselves and be loved for it both inside and out. To be honest, happiness is knowing that we're divine and playing in that divinity but I completely agree with that. Um, But anyway. Happiness was what? Season two, season three? Season four. I may have channeled this, but my I do not remember a fucking thing. I know. I don't know why I remember. It's because I edit them, I guess. But that's basically what the ego does. Yeah. In 3D, we needed the ego, right? Because it it defined who we were. It defined what we did. It defined what role we played in society. Completely. It defined what we enjoyed. You know, if you think about it, it was, and then the, you know, FOMO was bred from that ego place as well. Oh, yes. Right? Absolutely. Oh, ego loves a good dose of FOMO. Yeah, because like, (laughs) well, if they have that and they look good enough, if I have that, then I'll be good enough too. Oh, yeah. It lets the ego be front and center, doesn't it? And it's interesting because we talk a lot about this. And I know we talk about this near the end of season four. There is a difference between what is your heart's desire and what Mm -hmm. is your ego's desire. That's a lot of when we're talking about the ego and FOMO and things like that. It's very much that piece of, are we looking for something or someone so that we know we're good enough? Mm-hmm. Or are we looking for something or someone, and it could be in many different forms, because we know it'll bring us joy. 
And it's not it'll bring us joy so we feel better about ourselves. It's no. we already feel great about ourselves. Exactly. It'll just bring us joy. The, and the joy is just being reflected back to us effectively, right? With our ego, mm-hmm. there's a hierarchy. I'm better than you or I'm worse than you. 5D oneness recognizes that we all just are. And we're yes. all part of the same one. And none of those labels matter. Not our ego all. loves the labels, but we actually don't need the labels. Yeah, the who ego gives a shit labels. about the labels if you're happy? <laughs> well, if you're living in 3D, your 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 ego cares a fuck ton about labels because mm. that's how it distinguishes what's right from wrong. What side of right it should I be on? Mm. Right? Because it loves the shoulds as well because it needs rules. Yeah. So judgment is – ego and judgment are the fucking best friends, right? They're Liz mm. and Rhea <laughs> in 3D. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what are Liz and Rhea in 5D? <laughs> Super chill (laughs) with golden tans, I dream. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So 5D, if everything is just at one, judgment cannot exist, which means the ego cannot exist. And when we talk about judgment not existing, that's not necessarily about not being able to have opinions. It's just we're not judging other people and telling them that they are bad or good according to our set of preconceived or learnt behaviors and standards. Exactly. You can even just say that opinions are just preferences and they would align with our values and standards. Exactly. But it is not within our values and standards to hold judgment around anything exactly. else. So as we've been teaching since season one, 3D is separation consciousness, just as 5D is oneness consciousness. So we're effectively moving from separation consciousness to 5D oneness consciousness. So we're moving from where we feel ourselves as separate to where we see ourselves as one. In order to separate, we use judgment. And that judgment creates polarity, which then creates the three-dimensional consciousness. Now, before separation, though, okay, this is where I'm going to get a little spiritually technical, that in order to enable separation, we had to conceive of otherness. If we think we're one, no one is different and no one is the other. But in order to feel separate, we have to find something to be separate to. Therefore, we created the other. But the moment we developed judgment around the otherness is what gave rise to separation. Because technically we could all, you could be different from me, but because I don't judge it, there's no separation. I can still see that we are all one in our divinity or we're all from the same place. Doesn't matter what color skin you have, doesn't matter what you like, what you don't like, what sexual orientation, etc. But the second I start judging you for being different to me, I'm saying that one of us is right and one of us is wrong. Mm-hmm. And therefore we become separate and we stop being both divine and whole and being able to be ourselves. We're telling someone that someone somewhere has to change. Yeah. Because in the state of otherness, we can still be divine. Yes. Right. Yeah. We can still be able to recognize all the different reflections of the divine. Mm. But well, it was judgment of that otherness. As we said, though, because the ego relies on judgment in order to move from separation into oneness, we have to be able to drop those ego identities that we developed. And that's what we were talking about in the previous episode about that sense of what that sense of loss that we might be experiencing when we're sort of blank slating our lives. It's really the ego identity that we're losing. But we need to be able to lose it because the ego identity defines our 3D experience. So until we lose it, that 3D experience remains present. So even if we're not in 3D energy, we're still in a 3D experience. Well, this is what I find interesting. The ego tells us we have to do this, be like this, 
look like this. That's how we know we're happy. At the same time, our heart, somewhere buried deep down inside, is saying, no, but I want to do this. I want to do that. I think it's okay that this looks like this. And I want this to look like that, right? But our ego and our heart are effectively battling against each other. Mm-hmm. When we lose our ego identity, we're not losing us. We're actually allowing the most us parts of us to come yeah. out. So that idea of like when we talk about in the last episode when all is lost, that's very much an illusion because yeah. what's actually lost is the parts of us that we were trying to fit into other people's boxes. That also kept, in, kept us in, in separation and otherness. Giving ourselves permission to do what we actually want to do rather than what we think we should do, which then means that no one else, no one can bring us out of 3D into 5D apart from ourselves because you can't seek permission from someone else to choose Mm -hmm. yourself because then you're not actually choosing yourself. And you can't grant permission to someone else to choose themselves because then they're not actually choosing themselves, which means choosing yourself is effectively choosing your heart over your ego and choosing 5D over 3D. So effectively, when you're saying you're choosing yourself, you're choosing your heart, that's really when you are choosing your heart's desires. And when you know what you want, truly want, versus what, as you say, the ego wants, which the ego only wants whatever is going to assuage your insecurities and your doubts. Which will always be from someone else, right? If you think Mm -hmm. about it. Like that's, that's the key difference because if I do this, someone else will think I'm great. Therefore, I know that I'm great. Or I'll just at least know that I'm okay. So it can be about somebody else. Or it could also just be about the core fear as that. No, that yeah, motivating. exactly. And I mean, look, I catch myself doing this sometimes, right? I catch myself doing it in, t- in many different ways. Mm-hmm. One way is, do I feel like I need to be with a specific person mm-hmm. in order to know that I'm good enough? Am I then placing my value on whether they choose me or whether they grow up for me that's an ego choice but you know maybe a different choice is that um, I experience a great amount of joy when I'm with this person and I feel more like myself as a result because it's really allowing me to tap into my joy we're not saying that you don't care about people anymore and everyone is replaceable and oh for you to be egoless you can't care who's in your life no at all but it's just mm. do you care that they're in your life because it's making you feel better about yourself or do you care that they're you're in your life because you are more joyful as a result yeah and they're very different things they sound the same but they're very nuanced they're very very different yeah. one comes from an empowered place and mm. one comes from a totally disempowered one and it can be that can be applied to anything else, even if it's not yeah. relationship. It could no. be the work that you want to engage in. So the one thing about oneness, mm. and I will say this time and again, because so in three D, we really relied on sort of collective energy to boost us, right? We had yes. we had our ego, and our ego would find another ego, and there'd be a collective set of egos, and we'd all be swimming in each other's egos, right? Yeah, and sometimes everyone's telling each other how great they are because they look the same, thought the same. Sorry, everyone Mm -hmm. lived in their own little bubbles. Exactly, but in oneness, there's no more bubbles. So sometimes we can be part of a karmic collective. It means that our karmic issue, Mm. okay, so not just our karmic, so that we are not good enough, and the stories through which that not good enough plays through Mm. will be shared with others. 
And those Mm -hmm. stories will overlap and play into each Mm -hmm. other. And we would call that, quite simply, a karmic collective. But when we do this, it's because we're contracted to do it. And that's usually to heal some kind of old trauma piece. And it served us to be part of this karmic collective because it allowed us to play through the story in 3D, for better or worse, was the arena through which we could play out these stories and allow them to be explosive or whatever, right? The larger the collective. Now, in order to be and to move into 5D, and if we have to choose oneness for ourselves, then we can make the choice to be finished with the story, thereby healing the karma and move into 5D. It does not serve me to continue to believe this because now it's starting to hold me back. It's starting to hold back my evolution. That's oneness in action. You have Mm -hmm. a collective of people who are all experiencing something of the same. Mm -hmm. One person breaks out of it, it encourages the others to do the same. In that way, by choosing yourself, you are serving your collective and you are moving a collective out of a karmic story or you're at least helping that. That is what we talk about. That's purpose in action. That's, That's how one serves. How would you describe the process of divesting oneself from their ego? What does one do? What do you do to divest yourself? Now we've spoken about how following your heart's desires, you get them. Following your ego, less likely. Ego is all about keeping you unhappy. Heart's desires all about keeping you happy, right? Like we've talked about this for episode after episode, season after season. Mm-hmm. So just really simply then, how does one divest themselves of ego identity, especially when they've already divested themselves of their fear and mm-hmm. of their karma? So you just have to ask yourself two things. Who the fuck do I think I am? And what the fuck am I doing here? Okay. So with the first question, it's really about no longer or trying to not use all the adjectives we used to use to describe ourselves. Okay. So give me an example. You. who? How did you used to t- describe yourself and how do you describe yourself now? Yeah, I can't even describe myself now. No label feels right or seems right. It could be mm. physically descriptive, but I don't yeah. really, there are no words that I feel sufficiently describe me yeah. anymore. Whereas I think before I used to, you know, I would get a little bit more specific or I would talk about my likes and my dislikes. But again, that all just seems like useless details. So if we're able to describe ourselves with words, does that mean our ego still exists? No, not necessarily, but how attached are you to those words? A lot of this stuff really matters because we remain so attached to the idea of ourselves. And so it's really about, and I feel like we're going to just, I don't know when we're going to continue to talk about detachment. We'll just talk about it now. You know, a lot of people do talk about, like a lot of spiritual influencers will say stuff about, oh, just detach. You know, you let go and then you can detach. And I'm like, but you can't just detach. You can't just kind of flip a switch and just say, I'm just detached. It doesn't work that way as we know, right? Not when we're in our karmic story. I feel like I've been talking for a little bit, so I was just like, and rare. (laughs) Well, I don't know, because the thing is, is that like, you know, when you say to divest yourself of your egos, to ask yourself who who the fuck do I think I am and what the fuck am I doing here? It kind of feels like if you can answer those questions in a concrete way and your identity is wrapped up in those things, it's something to be looked at, right? Yes, very much. Exactly. And that actually... If you can, like, so for me, who the, like, if I say, who, who do I think I am? I just feel like I'm an expression of love and everything I do expresses love. Yes. 
And that's the who the fuck do I think I am and what the fuck do I think I'm doing here, right? They're, they're the answers to my questions. That's so intangible and that has nothing to do with anyone else because it's my definition of love, right? And I'm expressing it. So it's totally mine. But other people can be part of it and help amplify it, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And even as I say that, I feel like warm and happy and joyful. <laughs> you have this like gaga look on your face, yeah, actually. Yeah. I almost like would take a picture of like people could like yeah. see as they're listening to this, like this is Rhea talking about this and her like eyes are going up to the sky and she's like smiling like a big dork and – yeah, it's all very but that's sweet. how I feel, you know, and that's yeah. not and no one can change that and no one can tell me anything about that. Exactly. And that's how you know who you are when you can get that dorky smile on your face and just feel completely happy when you're just saying, I am me. That is mm. it. Because as you've said, who you are is a fairly intangible concept. So the point is, is that there really isn't a word or words that can really accurately or adequately describe who we are, not at our core. But my question is, Liz, hmm. how do you divest yourself of your ego identity? <laughs> okay, you've asked yourself these things. You now yes. know that these things are part of your ego. Mm -hmm. What are the tangible steps here? Okay, we'll get there, Rhea. So the second In question... In a different episode? No, we'll get there because okay. we first have to ask ourselves these questions because that's that's will tell fine. us like what degree okay. of our ego are we holding? Okay, fine, fine, fine. Do, can we like have this laundry list of, you know, yeah. of who we think we are yeah. and why is that? Because we've identified that's how we identify yeah. ourselves through all of those things. Question, would you count being a mother as part of who you think you are? Um, no, because it's still a role I play. Go on, I mean, yeah, cool. there's a, yeah, because the, the roles we play, the jobs we have, the things mm. we do, it's still, th that's still a bit ego identity. Mm. I have relationships, but those relationships do not define me. Mm. Right? So that second question, what the fuck am I doing here? Rather than sort of seeing our lives in terms of a series of accomplishments or even failures or goals, it's really about very simply saying, I'm here to share my wisdom. I'm here to inspire. Those would just be very simple statements, but it wouldn't be about like, I'm here to to do this. I'm here to do that. Does that make sense? Well, like, it's kind of what I said before, right? I'm here to express love. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I mean, I can't, every time I say it, I get excited because I'm like, that is why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> right it's a very nice smile you have <laughs> but that's it right I feel mm -hmm. like that's how you know yeah I'm here to teach maybe I'm here to inspire I'm here to share my wisdom that all falls under I'm here to share my courage that can all fall underneath I'm yes. here to express love yeah because it's so intangible it can be anything exactly and I actually think you can just stop with stop at um, I'm here to express love that is enough yeah. we don't need more we don't need how we're gonna do it and why we're going to do it because we have this great purpose or whatever. It just, it doesn't matter. The more inconsequential all of these other or old 3D stuff becomes to us, the more 5D we actually are. So you were asking for the... Tangible steps. The, yes, the actionable, tangible steps. It's, as we said, you're divesting yourself of your karma. You're divesting yourself of your fear. And the ego likes to hold on. So what is it 
that we need to do to be able to release ourselves from our ego is to release ourselves from the story, the story that kept us in 3D, the I'm not good enough story. And the way we do that is we lean into everything we're afraid of. We start to go down that road. So all the things, the structures and strictures that we use to define our lives, we learn to live without them. Or it's the, I can't do this because, well, really, can you not? Is it really such a bad idea? I mean, yes, certain things would be very bad ideas, okay? This is not the point of like, it's not, your ego is not there to keep you safe in terms of, hey, don't do drugs, right? <laughs> it's not that. It's really the, you know, ego keeps us imprisoned. And so we, we do everything we can to break out of that prison. And those mm. are the steps we take. What does it mean? Like, for example, I can't travel because I'm a mother is a perfect example of the ego keeping you. Exactly. What am I afraid of? I can't be vulnerable. You can't be vulnerable. I, can I can't express what I really think or how I really feel because this person could react X, Y, Z ways. Well, that's the ego saying there's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's a rule around this. And that's what we're all scrambling to do every time we're looking to experts to tell us what to do is the ego needs support. So effectively what we're saying in order to divest yourself of your ego identity is break every rule you think you know. Yeah. Or the ones that you're choosing to live by because you Duh. think that those yeah. rules will ensure your safety, your happiness, your security, you know. Because the question that. is, have they? If you're <laughs> listening to this podcast or if you were alive in 2021... How are the rules treating you right now? Good point. Working for you? <laughs> you have nothing, nothing to lose. Apart from, as I said at the beginning of this episode, all the things that kept you stuck and all the things that aren't letting you live how you really want to. It's kind of a win-win. <laughs> I don't disagree with you there. Thank you for listening. For more information, articles, and inspiration, find us at karmasmybitch.com and at karmasmybitch.insta. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review.